you for your resurrection, God. We are not ashamed, Heavenly Father, for if it was not for the gospel, if it wasn't for your death, if it wasn't for your burial, if it wasn't for your resurrection, where would we be? So, God, we're so grateful and we're so thankful to God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on one more time. Put those blessed hands together. Amen. Amen. Psalm 73. Psalm 73, verse number one. A New Living Translation, Psalm 73, verse number one. Uh, while you're turning there, amen, it's good to see my good friend, my brother, uh, Pastor Anthony St. Louis in the building on today. God bless you, sir. Thank you for coming out. Amen. Psalm 73, verse number one. Are you there? If you're there, say amen. If not, say hold on. I heard a couple hold on, so we'll hold on just a little while longer. Amen. That'll give me time to let all of you know that you can stop inboxing me, FaceTiming me, all that about my Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I know what it is. You know what it is. Uh, I'm still yet holding on. I ain't changed. I ain't changed cups. I ain't changed teams. I just changed the channel. <laughs> Amen. Amen. It's all right to have fun in church. It's good to have fun in church. I, I need to get that off of me. I need I've been wrestling with that since about 11 o'clock Thursday night. I, I've been dodging dry all weekend. <laughs> he finally caught me. Walked by talking about my condolences. So this word is for everybody but him and Munt. <laughs> Amen. All right. Psalm 73. If you're not there yet, uh, I'm going to ask if you would look up at the monitors. Psalm 73, verse number 1. I'm going to read through verse number 12. It says, give, I'm sorry, it says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. And I was almost gone. I really could stop right there. Because if the truth be told, all of us have had those days. I like the King James Version. King James Version said, my feet had well not slipped. Said, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. I love this translation. They scoff and they speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Let's go back to verse 1 and 2 one more time. Uh, verse number 1 says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing, my feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. I want to preach this morning from this simple topic, a divine attitude adjustment. 
a divine attitude adjustment. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for this day, for this is the day that you've made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Father, we thank you for another opportunity to assemble ourselves one more time in this sacred place that we call the sanctuary. Father, now that we are here, speak to us as only you can do. Speak to us with clarity, Heavenly Father. If there's one here today that does not know you in the free part of their sins, convict, convince, and persuade in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, help me now to preach and to teach your word with the Holy Ghost boldness, but not with an arrogance. Hide me now behind the cross so that the people will see none of me, but all of thee. Now may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. A divine attitude adjustment. Uh, most of us uh, have had days uh, where other people probably wish that we had gotten up on the other side of the bed. Uh, those days where uh, you are just not in the best of moods. Uh, those days where any and everything rubbed us the wrong way and caused us to do things we wouldn't normally do and say things that we would not normally say. Uh, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. Some, some of you are real saved, but the rest of us, we understand that there, that there are days in which we exhibit more griping than we do gratitude. Uh, not, not the sold-out Christian, but just those of us who have had a dose of reality. Uh, we have had those days that, yes, we are saved, and yes, uh, we love the Lord, and yes, we have a mighty fire burning under our feet. Uh, but the world somehow, some way, on that particular day, made me forget that that fire was burning. I, I had to repent many a days, and I'll use I because some of you looking at me like you've never been there. So I've had to repent many of days. Uh, because when I should have denied the flesh, uh, the flesh rose up anyway. And you begin to unleash your emotions on people. Uh, the world that we live in, it, it has a way of sometimes bringing out those characteristics that are not becoming of a Christian. And if you are not careful, you will allow one incident to ruin your day. If you're not careful, you will allow one individual to steal your joy. If you are not careful, you will allow something you have no control over to frustrate you and cause you to have a jacked up attitude. Uh, you're saved, but your attitude stinks. You're saved. But today, some people don't like you. Okay. You, you say, but there are people on the job that's avoiding you. Because you woke up with a bad attitude. What's a bad attitude? A bad attitude is when you have an inappropriate expression or act towards a person or a thing. It is, it is to think or to act negatively based on your emotions. For example, it's just an example, don't get all upset. But for example, uh, if you don't agree with the direction that the church is going in, but yet you still show up with no intentions of worshiping, 
No intentions of singing. No intentions of fellowshipping. Then you probably came with a bad attitude. Now, if you haven't sung today, if you haven't clapped today, this would be a good time to do it so no one would think that you came in here with a bad attitude. So, 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 so now with us understanding and defining what a bad attitude is, I think it is safe to say that all of us are guilty at times of having a bad attitude. And when you look in the text this morning, uh, we have a great example of someone who loves the Lord coming down with the bad case of a bad attitude. Uh, this man that I'm talking about uh, goes by the name of Asaph. Uh, Asaph is a leader in the church. Uh, Asaph, Asaph, he, he's a prophet, but he's not just a prophet. Asaph is a Levite. He's, he's a musician. I don't have time to really go through all of the background, uh, but write down 1 Chronicles chapter number 6 in verse 39, and then 2 Chronicles chapter 5 in verse number 12, and there you will see uh, the support for my statement that Asaph was indeed a Levite. He was in charge of the music in the temple. He was a worship leader, and even with his title, even in his position, he has developed a bad attitude. I had to throw that in there because some of you think that only the people who are not leaders come in church with a bad attitude. Uh, but I want you to know that there are leaders who have bad attitudes as well. He has devel developed a bad attitude so much so that he has now become very transparent. Look at what he says. See, see, some of us, we have bad attitudes, but we try to mask it. We come in and we still smile. We still sing with the praise team. We still clap. We still rock offbeat, some of us. We, we still go through the motions. But if you don't get rid of that bad attitude, sooner or later, your life is going to become very transparent. Look at how transparent he was. He said, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. He said, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. He, he's very transparent. He says, I'm a leader. I lead worship. But I got a problem right now. Because as good as God is, it doesn't seem like he's good to me. <laughs> I like that honesty. See, 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 we like to go through the motions and we want everybody to think that we always have it together. But there are times when you're going through something that you have that same attitude that ASAP have. I look around and I see that God indeed is good, but the truth of the matter is it don't seem like God is good to and see, right now, some of you are saying, well, how can you say that? You can go that route now because you're on the mountaintop. Uh, but when you get down in the valley, it has a tendency to change your attitude. I know you say, and I know we talk about it all the time. I'll bless the Lord at all times. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes I'm on a slippery slope. Sometimes I don't want to come to church. Sometimes I don't want to preach. 
Sometimes I don't want to counsel. Sometimes I don't want to worship. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. He says, because I began to look at the wicked. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Asaph has an attitude, and the reason he has an attitude is because he's become envious of the prosperity of the wicked. He's feeling some type of way because despite their wickedness, they seem to still be in good health. Despite their wickedness, their lives seem to be void of problems that other people have. And even though Asaph is envious of the wicked, watch this, he don't take attitude with the wicked. He takes attitude with God. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. He's upset, but he's not upset at the wicked. He's upset with God. He he starts out by saying God is good to Israel, those of a pure heart, but he, he, he says, I do have a problem because after all my tithe paying, I got a problem because I get up early every Sunday morning and I'm here for 8 o'clock. I got a problem because I'm trying to do what's right. But when I look at those who act as if there is no God, uh, they don't seem to be going through what I'm going through. He, 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 He has a problem. He has a bad attitude. How do you get over your bad attitude? when your bad attitude is brought on by the one you should be showing gratitude to. Uh, Here it is. Uh, If we're going to have a divine attitude adjustment, uh, the first thing we're going to have to do is recognize the sovereignty of God. Uh, This word sovereign means that it's God's kingdom. And because it's his kingdom, he can do whatever he want to do in his kingdom. When was the last time someone came to your house and told you how to run it? See, we have this judgmental problem. Not just in the kingdom. You can look at somebody else's, just look straight ahead on this one. You can look at somebody else's kids who act in a straight monkey. And you want to interject and tell them how to handle that kid. But that's their household. Whether you're right or wrong, you can't tell them how to run their house. Uh, If that is true with us as humans, how much more true is it when it comes to God? God can do whatever he chooses to do, and he does not need our approval or our cooperation. A sovereignty is defined as having supreme authority, control, and power over all that has happened, is happening, and will happen in the future in all times across history. So if he chooses to be good to those that are wicked, it's his prerogative. If he chooses to allow those that serve him to suffer sickness, it's his prerogative. Psalm 115 and 3 says this, Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Uh, Because he is God and and he does as he wishes, there is no reason for us to question the authority and the sovereignty of God just because we don't understand what is happening or uh, what did happen. Because at the end of the day, he is the potter 
and we are the clay. But Asaph here, he still has an attitude because it seems as though the wicked are prospering. It seems as though the wicked aren't going through any pain or suffering. It seems as though that they can mock God and get away with it. Uh, but then in verse number 10 and tw through 12, he says this, the people are dismayed and they are confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Asaph has a bad attitude, and before we judge him too harshly, how many of us have wondered why it seems like the drug dealer is prospering? But here you are working 50 to 60 hours a week and you paycheck to paycheck. How many of us have said, God, what's really going on here? Because I had to jumpstart my car just to come to church. But I rode by my neighbor who don't even go to church and he's out here washing a brand new BMW. What's really going on? Because you said in your word that if I bring my tithe into the storehouse so that there'll be meat in my house uh, to prove you, to test you, and you'll open up the windows of heaven and bless me, that there won't be room enough to receive. Now, that's what your word says, but it seems like those blessings are going out of my window to my neighbors. So y'all don't want to be real. There, 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 there are many times, watch this, uh, that you paid your tithe and your offering and you were hoping that you would get a raise, but you didn't get a raise. Meanwhile, the heathen co-worker gets a raise and a promotion. My feet are slipping, God. I'm almost gone. It's a whole lot I felt like I can do with these tithes and offerings because even though I'm paying them, it seems like things are going bad. Asaph is not the only one that gets a bad attitude sometimes. Oh, but we have to remember, watch this, that God is sovereign and he can do what he pleases. I got to hear it, uh, but in Romans chapter number 9, verses 14 through 23, it's a lot of verses, but I need you to see it because it really helps us to better understand Sovereignty. It says, are we saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show my mercy to anyone I choose. And I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can either choose it, we can neither choose it nor work for it. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so that they refuse to listen. Well, then you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? No, don't say that. Who are you? A mere human being to argue with God. Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter makes a jar out of clay, does he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another to throw into the garbage? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he show mercy. God can choose to show mercy to one person, or he can choose to harden the heart of another. But it's all up to him. Here's my issue. How is it that we get upset with God for showing mercy to someone else when it was the same mercy that brought us to where we are. A Asap has a problem because he's upset with what's going on, but he has to remember that God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. And when we understand that, it helps us to have a divine attitude adjustment. Not only do we have to remember uh, or recognize that God is sovereign, but secondly, if we're going to have a divine attitude adjustment, uh, we have to revisit the sanctuary 
of God. Uh, look at what it says in verses 13 through 17. We stopped reading at 12, but it gets good at 13. Verse 13, it says this. Uh, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning, bring me pain. If I really had spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Then I went to the sanctuary, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Asaph, he's still in his feelings, and he's now asking, have I done all of this for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? He says, they are prospering and in good health, but I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every time I turn around, I'm in pain. If it ain't one thing, it's another. ASAP is really letting it all out now. He says, basically, if it was me being wicked, you would have punished me by now. And that's a good place for me to put this kickstand down. Don't you dare try to turn around now. Uh, because when you know better, you have to do better. <laughs> you can't try and do what your neighbor do and think you're going to get away with it. God is going to hold you accountable. So I don't want you to think that I'm telling you this so that you can do like the wicked do. Uh, the truth of the matter is, it only looks like the wicked is prospering. But you don't see the wicked tossing and turning late at night. You don't see everything that they have going on. God wants you to understand he's doing what he's doing to get glory long as you keep on your track. Everything would be all right. He says, if it was me, if it was me, you would have punished me. I just don't understand. I tried to understand it, but it's too difficult. It's too complicated for me. Then verse 17 says, but then I went into the sanctuary, oh God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Watch this. That's why you need to make sure you come to church regularly. Because if you stay away too long, the enemy will start playing tricks on your mind. The enemy will isolate you and he'll begin to beat you up and he'll begin to tell you some things that aren't real. He'll mix a little bit of what he like to call truth in there just to make you feel like everything is going against you. But watch this. Every now and then, you have to understand that even though I can worship at home, even though I can praise God at home, even though I can pray at home, I need to make my way into the sanctuary. Watch this. The sanctuary is defined as a sacred or holy place. All right, it's finna get tight for a minute. Just hold on. That part of the church that's around the altar. Ooh, not the best of you where you sit on the couch and hold a conversation while the sermon is going on. Uh-huh. Not the multi-purpose room where can't nobody see you eating your snacks and talking to your friends. Not the Sunday school room where you're gonna get over there and go ahead and get you a good seat. Because you can come to church and still not be in church. God deliver me from the person, watch this, who wants to sing and shout, but when it's time for preaching, you walk out. Uh, Y'all didn't know I used to rap, did you? God deliver me from the person who will sing and shout, but when it's time for preaching, you walk out. Do you not know that God's word is a light unto your feet. It's a lamp unto your pathway. You wonder why you're struggling. You're wondering why you can't make sense of anything. Because when the word is going on, you in your own world. When the word is going on, you outside flirting. When the word is going on, you in the back complaining. At some point in your life, you're going to have to come to the resolve that I need the word of God. He, 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 he. He comes into the church 
He comes into the sanctuary. He comes into the place. Watch this. Where the Holy Spirit is moving. Do you not know it don't take but one minute for the atmosphere to shift? Back up. It don't take but one second for the atmosphere to shift. That's why you can walk out of church. We shift. You walk back in and you just as lost as you can be. Because baby, we already shifted. We in another gear and you sitting around just chewing your chewing gum trying to figure out why everybody crying. Trying to figure out why everybody waving their hand. Trying to figure out why everybody worshiping. Because while you walked out, God came in and he showed up. And he made some stuff clear to us. <laughs> Asaph finally begins to understand when he makes his way into the sanctuary. What did he begin to understand? He first understood the destiny of the wicked. Verses 18, 18 through 20, he said, truly you put them on a slippery path and you send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O oh Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. He finally understands that just because it seems like they are prospering does not mean that they are prospering. Uh, watch this, Matthew chapter number 13, verses 24 through 30. Jesus tells a parable. Here's what he says. Uh, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as the worker slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crops began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and he said, sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds? They asked. Here it is. No, he, he replied. If you pull out the weeds, you'll uproot the wheat. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them in bundles, and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Uh, just because the wicked are not dealt with immediately does not mean that God won't deal with them. Okay, somebody still didn't get it. Psalm 37, uh, don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like the grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Then a few verses later in 8 through 10, it says, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm, for the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. Asap's attitude is shifting just a little bit because he's not understanding that the wicked really aren't getting over like he thought they were. And now his attitude is changing because of what he has discovered in the sanctuary. Uh, but that's not the only thing he realized in the sanctuary. Uh, after he understood the destiny of the wicked, uh, he also understood that he himself was out of order. Ooh, don't stop shouting yeah. Don't stop shouting amen. Don't stop nodding okay. Uh, watch this. 21 through 22. Then I realized that my heart was bitter. I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Uh, when you are in the sanctuary, when you are in the presence of God, watch this, uh, you cannot leave out seeing everybody else without seeing you. How, how, how is it? 
that you could tell everybody else what's wrong with them, but you have no idea what's wrong with you. When the presence of the Lord show up, yes, that's a time for us to bask in his glory. Yes, it's a time for us to make our petitions known. But when the presence show up, it's also a time that we reflect and we're able to see who we really are. Okay, y'all, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 5, was, it was in the year that King Isaiah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Uh, attending him were mighty seraphims, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their face. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two wings, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Here it is. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have 50 lips and I live among a people with 50 lips. Yet have I seen the king, the Lord of heaven's army. When the presence of the Lord show up, his glory shines a light on everything that's not like him. And if you can walk out of his presence still thinking it's all about you, you in big trouble. Because when the presence of the Lord shows up, that's not the time for me to look at you, you, and you. But that's the time for me to say, oh Lord, I see how many times I missed the mark. Lord, forgive me. Lord, take me back. Lord, try me once again. See, when you understand that you're really not all that you think you are, then you won't look at the wicked the way you was looking at the wicked. But you'll begin to rejoice that you could have cut me off. I could have been some of those weeds that was pulled up, that was tied together, that was put in a bundle and put in the fire. But your love and your mercy... You surrounded me, uh, you lifted me, uh, and you loved me enough. If that don't change your attitude, I don't know what will. Uh, he, he has an attitude. But he had to recognize the sovereignty of God. He had an attitude, but then he revisited the sanctuary of God. But lastly, whenever we have a divine attitude adjustment, it's not just recognizing the sovereignty of God. It's not just revisiting the sanctuary of God. But we have to remember the salvation of God. Watch this. Uh, After all his griping, after all of his complaining, look at what he says in verses 23 through 26. Yet, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. And he is mine forever. If anything can help you to readjust your bad attitude, If there's ever going to be a divine attitude adjustment, you have to understand that after everything you've done, God still loves you. After everything you've done, he never did forsake you. After all that you did, he never left you to yourself. 
And after your attitude has been adjusted, you have to come to the same realization that ASAP did. He said, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart and he is mine forever. In other words, from here on out, it doesn't matter to me what everybody else have, as long as I still have God. From here on out, it doesn't matter who God extends his grace to, as long as he's still gracious to me. I know that sometimes on this Christian journey, we find ourselves getting weak. We find ourselves getting tired. We find ourselves getting frustrated because it seems as though the wicked may be prospering while the righteous is steady suffering. But I hear the word of the Lord saying, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. But then it goes on a little further and it asks a question. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? For it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And this is the part that make me shout, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Somebody, you still didn't get what I was trying to say. So let me say it this way. Regardless of what I have to go through, and despite being tired, despite being frustrated, I refuse to give up on God. Why do I refuse to give up on God? I'm glad you asked that question because it's a real good question. But here is your answer. I won't give up on God because I've seen the lightning flashing. I heard the thunder roll. I have felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul. I've heard the voice of Jesus telling me still to fight on he promised never never to leave me never to leave me alone and because he never left me I made up my mind that I'll keep pressing on the upward way new heights I'm gaining every day still I'm praying as I onward bound Lord plant my feet on higher ground Lord lift me up Lord let me stand by faith on Canaan's table land a higher plane than I have found Lord plant my feet on higher ground I said all that to say when I look back over my life 
and I think things over, I can't have a bad attitude. Because when I do my due diligence, after my long investigation, I found out that all of my good days, they outweigh my bad days. And I won't, I won't complain. I still have the activities of my limbs. I still have the activities of my legs. I still have a good mind. So no matter what the day brings, there's still enough for me to have a good attitude. So I choose to lose my bad attitude and start walking in gratitude. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for starting me on my way. Thank you that my bed wasn't my cooling board, that my sheets wasn't my winding sheets, that my tongue wasn't clove to the roof of my mouth. In other words, he gave me one more chance, one more chance to tell him thank you. One more chance to shout and praise him. One more chance to right all my wrongs. Is there anybody in this sanctified building who says, yeah, I had an attitude before, but when I look at what God has done for me, I refuse to walk in the house one more time without clapping my hands. I refuse to walk in the house one more time without waving my hand. I refuse to walk in the house one more time without shouting hallelujah. What's the highest praise? Hallelujah. If you can't say nothing else, you may not sing like an angel. You may not preach like Paul. You may not do a two-step, but as long as you can open up your mouth and tell them hallelujah, that's the highest praise for every, every mountain you brought me over, for every, every valley you see me through, for every trial and tribulation you brought me out of, I made up my mind that I give you glory. I made up my mind that I give you honor. I made up my mind I give you praise. We got to get ready to go to Sunday school, but I need to preach this till somebody catch a shift in their attitude. When you go to work tomorrow, you ought to have an attitude of gratitude. You still got a mean boss, but you got to glide in your stride because you serve an awesome God. When you walk in your house, it may be filled with hell, but you made up in your mind. Come hell, a high water. He's still worthy of the glory. He's still worthy of the praise. Is there anybody in this sanctified building that refuse to be bound by your emotions? So what if you don't feel like shouting? So what if you don't feel like praising? So what if you don't feel like worshiping? You gotta learn to command your hands. Hands, we gonna praise the Lord whether you feel like it or not. Mouth, we gonna open up whether we feel like it or not. You gotta learn how to press past what you feeling. 
Press past all that depression. Press past all that anger. Press past all that confusion. And you press until you find yourself in the presence of the Lord. And everything that was dark has now come to the light. Come let us walk in the light, that beautiful light. Come where the mercies of do like John Bright. Shine, shine, shine all around me by day and by night. Jesus, he's the light of the world. Is there anybody in this building that's thankful that Jesus is the light of the world? Not only is he the light of the world, but he's a burden bearer, a heavy load sharer. Is there anybody glad you can take your problems to the Lord and leave them there? I'm so glad that we serve a God who says, come unto me, all you that are weary, lay your head upon my chest and I'll give you rest for your soul. You don't have to go through another season of depression. You can just call on him and he'll show up. Call him in the morning. Call him in the evening. Call him around noon time. It don't matter when you call. He'll show up. And when he shows up, he'll shift your attitude. It'll change your perspective. No longer will you be judgmental. No longer will you look at what other people have or don't have. But you'll say, woe is me. Lord, how can I get better? Lord, how can I serve you better? Lord, how can I love more? Lord, how can I be what you call me to be? When you stop focusing on what's around you and start focusing on what's in you, it'll change your attitude. You won't have a haughty spirit. You won't have that arrogance about you that says, how dare they get to have that and I don't. But you'll look at what you do have and say, God, I'm grateful that out of everything I've done, you still provide for me. Out of everything I've done, you still my healer. Out of everything I've done, I still see your grace and I still see your mercy. I'm done standing to your feet all over the building. A divine attitude adjustment. All of us have those days. But we don't have to allow those days to control us. Get in your word. Get into a good worship. Set the atmosphere. And let the devil know you can't have dominion here. I'm not finna wear this all day. I refuse to let the enemy steal my joy. So today you may be here. You don't know the Lord in the free pardon of your sins. <clears throat> what must I do to be saved? It's simple. The Bible says all you have to do is believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you shall be 
saved. If that's you, you're here today and you want to give the Lord your heart. We offer Christ to you. Would you meet us at the altar? Secondly, you may be here today. You say, Pastor, at one time I was walking with the Lord. But I got upset at some things. It was just like Asaph. I said, God is good to Israel, but as for me, my feet have well not slipped. If that's you, then you found your feet slipping to the point that you walked away from God. I want you to know that God is married to the backslider. If that's you today and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, we offer Christ to you. Would you meet us at the altar? Then you may be here today. You say, Pastor, I'm already saved. I'm in right relationship with the Lord. But today I'm without a church home. I don't have a covering in my life. And I know I need to be somewhere that I can grow in the word of God. I need to be somewhere that I can fellowship with brothers and sisters of the same faith. I need to be somewhere that I can exercise the gift that God has given me. If that's you, you prayed about it. And God has told you that this is the place that you are to call home. We offer Christ to you as well. Would you meet us at the altar? And then last but not least, you may be here. You say, I'm already saved. I'm in right relationship with the Lord. I'm already a member of the church, or maybe you're visiting with us. But today, you just need someone to pray with you. You need someone that will touch and agree with you. You need someone who will intercede on your behalf. If that's you, and you're standing in need of prayer, we offer Christ to you as well. In these four areas, if you need salvation, if you need rededication, if you want to become a member of the church, or if you need prayer, we offer Christ to you. We cannot thank you enough for taking time to experience the ministry gifts of Bethel Baptist Church Ministries, the perfect place for imperfect people. Join us in person at our main campus at 2474 Dale Earnhardt Boulevard, Kannapolis, North Carolina, 28083. Learn more about us and watch live on our website at www dot bbc hyphen ministries dot org like us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash bethel baptist dot church ministries or subscribe to our youtube channel by searching for bethel baptist church ministries you can also follow us on instagram at instagram.com forward slash bbcm underscore inc or catch live tweets of sermon points at twitter.com forward slash bbcm.inc. Stay tuned to the Bethel Baptist Church Ministries podcast of sermons, teachings, cultural discussions, and more.